I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of December 2022, uh, and we are in the midst of our Satanic Santas month. Uh, essentially what we're doing this month is uh, taking a look at films featuring uh, bloodthirsty Santa Claus, plural. Uh, so last week we kicked things off with a review of 2005's Santa's Sleigh featuring XWCW, XWWE pro wrestler Bill Goldberg. And this week, Kyle, uh, would you care to tell our listeners what satanic Santa Claus film we will be reviewing? Yes, we will be covering Fat Man from 2020, directed by Esham and Ian Nelms. Never heard of them. Uh, this is starring Mel Gibson, Walton Goggins, and the only other person that's worth mentioning really is Marianne Jean or Marianne, Marianne Jean Baptiste. Um, this is a you, you don't really realize this is a Santa movie because Mel Gibson never looks like Santa. Spoiler alert: He's Santa. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's like one of those things where in the early goings of the film, you're not entirely certain if we're going to do like a is he Santa or isn't he Santa kind of thing with the story. But no, it's it's very quickly confirmed that, yes, he is indeed the Santa Claus. Uh, in this film, he goes by Kris Kringle, um, but he performs the same functions of a traditional Santa Claus, uh, just with a very... Uh, blue-collar homesteader kind of aesthetic mm-hmm. to him, uh, complete with southern accent. Uh, he sounds like a Texan or something to this. But, um, yeah, the title of the movie is Fat Man, and that refers to uh, the derogatory term that uh, one of the main characters calls Santa in this uh, because he develops a beef with him. But, Kyle, uh, you were you had the pick this week. It's not like we, we were taking turns or anything, but I just kind of poked you via text, like, what are we talking about this week? And uh, this was this was a Kyle pick. So, what was it that prompted you to select this one? Well, my contentious relationship with Mel Gibson aside, um, I love the man. I love him as an actor. The man really knows. He has screen presence. His movies are great, but he is not a great person. Uh, unfortunately, that's the reality of it. But. Every once in a while, his contemporary films will pop up on my feed, and I'm just like, I'm going to have to check one of those out. The last one was I saw was Get the Gringo, which is actually totally fine. It's not that bad of a movie. I was surprised by it. But this one, I watched the preview for it, and I read the description, and it just kind of sounded interesting. I'm like, I kind of just want to see what this is. And honestly, if Walton Goggins hadn't been in this, I might not have given it a chance. But Walton Goggins is a comedic presence that I really enjoy, and I think you do as well. Um, and really, this was just out of uh, you know pure curiosity. I just kind of wanted to see it, and it didn't look like it would be as bad as some of his other films. Because definitely, contemporary Mel, Mel Gibson is like contemporary Liam Neeson. Uh, the movies that he's making, he's making a bunch of films, but you're watching none of them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's why I went with this one, just out of curiosity, really. Well, Kyle, you're not watching any of them. Uh, people like me, on the other hand, absolutely are. We are trekking yeah. out to the Red Box, and we are gobbling up all the Lionsgate-produced Mel gibson direct video action thrillers. Um, I seem to remember this one that was, uh, I think it's directed by her husband, but it, Kate Bosworth and Emil Hirsch and Mel Gibson 
in a action thriller where it's like oh. it's in Florida and, and the town is being flooded and then there's like a like a burglary or an armed robbery situation or something that they have to get themselves out of. Um, I remember seeing a trailer for it. I never actually watched that one. Um, but yeah, I did hear that Get the Gringo was not half bad. Yeah. Uh, it looked as much as well. But um, I'd say this movie is actually a really good candidate for kind of like the thesis statement behind Catching Up on Cinema. Because this is a movie that I was aware of uh, in the early days before it even came out. Because uh, word got out that Mel Gibson is doing a, a R-rated Santa Claus movie. And of course you the internet up. gobbled it up. Yeah, you know, you, your your eyes and ears perk up, and you're like, I, I gots to know what what is this? It doesn't matter if it's good. I'm just curious what it actually is. Um, so the fact that it sounds like both of us were somehow aware of this movie for a, the past couple of years, um, I think that's motivation enough to get us to pull the trigger on this one because I too was curious. Um, so now we've watched it, Kyle. Um, and now we got to find a way to review it. So uh, where do we go from here, bud? Well, this is tough because there are this movie has a lot of interest has an interesting has interesting ideas. It it has a path that it takes that I think there's something here that they did have a good idea and I just they I think they just missed it a little bit cuz this reminds me of an effort as like a 90s dark comedy. It reminds me of like a John Cusack, like Gross Point Blank, or, um, oh, what's the other one with Oliver Platt? The, um, the, where Randy Quaid is the fucking mob boss in like Nebraska or some shit, or North Dakota. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's The Ice Harvest. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, um, okay, okay. J- yeah, just like, it, it, it has the, it, it wants to be that. It wants to be like a, a dark comedy, basically. But it's... It's dark, but not dark enough, and it's trying to be funny, and I think they think they're being funny, but it just doesn't quite hit. Walton Goggins, I think, should have been a bit more animated as this villain. He's definitely a dark villain, but I think he should have been a little bit more over the top, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head um, in regards to like what it's striving for and what it actually accomplishes. Uh, because that's what I took away from it is that I, I feel like I'm a broken fucking record talking about movies lately, but it's not lacking for ideas. We do a movie <laughs> podcast. A movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it is a podcast that, that, that kind of comes in handy. That is yeah. part of the, the skill set required to do one of these things from week to week. But um, it's a it's a project that's not lacking for ideas. Some of them are actually decent ideas. Only problem is the follow through. Like yeah. the actual presentation of those ideas is a little thin, um, such that it feels like a bunch of just like flimsy shots in the dark that don't really amount to anything cohesive. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, it, it's it's neither dark enough nor funny enough to really find an even footing in terms of its tone. And tone is like one of the most difficult things to manage in, in producing a film, especially one like this that's trying to tow multiple genres at the same time um but yeah i i found myself generally dissatisfied with a lot of what was presented even though they were working with some some decent ideas um but yeah uh walton goggins is strangely subdued in this and i felt Mm -hmm. like 
there's a couple of moments that actually work, but it, it felt like the wrong interpretation. It's like, mm, we need somebody to be to be chewing the scenery just a little bit to keep me more engaged, I guess. Mm-hmm. Especially considering how much screen time he has. Yeah, he is all, I mean, he's in this for quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, it's, the movie's, it tries to ground Santa in reality, which is fun. I think it's a fun idea. Just like, what what would this world be like if Santa, like, Santa is real in this in this movie we never see him like handing out presents or anything like that but it's just like no he is real and he's so real that he's part of the economy like he gets subsidies for <laughs> handing out presents and all the work that the elves do which i'm like that's a funny idea but it needs to be funnier like they need to play with the comedy a bit more they ground it in reality too much where he's bitching to members of the government it's like hey more kids, like, I know that we didn't produce as much or uh, distribute as much last year. That's because kids are bad and I'm handing out more coal. And they're like, well, your contract says. I'm like, that's a fun idea, but it's not goofy enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I, I was taken with that idea as well because they caught me off guard with that. I was like, yeah. that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, that, that seems like something that if you took the action movie component out of this, maybe you could just make a whole movie off of that, honestly. Like, I was picturing, like, an auditor shows up and just is hassling him in the factory mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> it's just like, God damn it, I got deadlines to fill, motherfucker. <laughs> like, I, I would have gotten a kick out of that. But it's, they pay lip service to it. Like, it is, it is expressed in the script, but it's unfortunately just not really explored to the depths that I think would have made for a much more interesting presentation. But... A movie that uh, you you mentioned a couple of movies that you it had you thinking of. Um, a movie that it made me think of was um, the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. Mm. Um, is that a title that registers with you? Yes, it's been on my Amazon play Amazon uh, watch list for a while. I just I've never pulled the trigger on it. Same with me, actually, is that I had the exact same relationship to it, very similar to my relationship to Fat Man, uh, both of our relationships to it, I guess. It's like that thing that you heard about a while back, you you dog-eared it for a a rainy day or something, and you just never got to it. Um, I did get to the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. Um, I found it in a fucking bargain bin uh, on the Ave. Uh, It was the right price and the right time, and I watched it. (laughs) Um, and Sam Elliott is fucking fantastic in it. He elevates the material like way beyond. Like it is punching so far above its weight when he's on screen. Honestly, um, but it's a it's a quaint little movie that very similar similar to this one, I guess, is not really what was advertised. Mm-hmm. Only difference is in the case of that film, I actually kind of appreciated what it actually was, uh, because like to to spoil the story, it's kind of just about. It's a meditation on like the nature of heroism that involves bloodshed and how even taking the life of someone like Hitler is damaging to the person who has to do the task if they're not built to accommodate the trauma associated with that. Um, so it's about the life lived after killing someone that, you know, even though you did the world a good service, you didn't feel good about it and it kind of fucked with the rest of your life. Uh, and that caught me off guard, but like I said, Sam Elliott's performance is fantastic in it. But what I'm getting at is that both of these movies have hokey titles, um, and were adverti- they were advertised as one thing, and then instead it's like, oh, wait, we're 
we're talking about things that I weren't I wasn't expecting us to be talking about here. We actually have ideas. We're not, this isn't just a slam bang, you know, stupid action thriller or something. It's like, no, we have a script. We're actually trying to get some ideas out there. Um, I would I would favor uh, the Sam Elliott film over this one, but you know that's that's just my opinion, man. Um, I'll kind of explain the movie. I, I don't really think that we're going to go front to back. We could actually kind of treat this as a master class where we just kind of talk about, I guess, the, the, the plot overall, the characters, like how the actors actually portray these characters, if you want to try that. Sure. Um, sure. But I, I was going to say that uh, the movie is Mel Gibson is uh, basically providing a service. This is a service. He's giving gifts to kids. Uh, and he works with elves. The elves create this. They're uh, like they're they're a package deal. They are in the they're in the stream of commerce, uh, and times have been tough, and they're not getting their subsidies, and he's not making enough money from doing this. And basically, this is the last Christmas where, if uh, things don't go well, uh, this is it. But he ends up taking a government contract to create panels for uh, for jets, basically. He uses the, yeah. the elves. Um, meanwhile, a little rich kid who's pissed off that he got a lump of coal hires a hitman who he who he is familiar with and has actually utilized the services quite often. He has hired hit this hitman to kill Santa. And it just so happens that this hitman has an obsession with Santa and is looking forward to killing him. Um, so that's kind of the, uh, the story going on here. Um, again, not a bad idea, but just all the different things didn't play out the way that I think they intended or really should have played out. Mm. Yeah, it, this movie spends a lot of time farting around and dumping screen time into some of the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there are, like I said, there, there are some interesting ideas at work here. Um, only problem is I felt like it needed to be a little bit more heavy-handed with some of the allegories and theming that they were doing here mm-hmm. uh, because like by the time you get to the end of the film it's like it's very obvious that this is heavily inspired by westerns like the, the whole th- like there's a reason why this santa claus has a texan accent or a southern accent there's a reason why the iconography of his compound is similar to like he's a homesteader in this like he's defending his ranch essentially from an invading force and you know a, a common a common refrain in a lot of westerns is you know like uh landowners or the tax man comes a calling and tries to take your stuff like take my land or something like that uh, some or something along those lines so there's these like hazy images floating around like in the background of the script that you're like associating with things it's like i, I think i kind of know what they're getting at here but it never really coalesces into anything really really cohesive um it's it's irksome in that way where it's like man i really wish that had meant something but and it's not a coen brothers movie where that's kind of the point but Mm. um kyle i'm actually going to take a a page out of your book uh real quick and i'm actually going to reference imdb probably for the first time in the history of catching up on cinema okay Uh, (laughs) it's not something i do very often but i just got a kick out of reading um the the writer slash director's uh, IMDb like mini biography. So it's a pair of brothers who mm-hmm. have done exactly very little else in the film industry. They've, they're mostly writers, as far as I understand. Um, but 
I'll just read this paragraph of text. It's it's three fucking paragraphs, Kyle. This is a whole fucking page. Jeez. This would be a two-page resume, honestly. Um, that's why I'm reading it, is because it's semi-pretentious, and I think it's funny. Uh, so, writers slash directors Esham and Ian Nelms grew up in Central California, waging 200-man G.I. Joe wars and dreaming in John Ford landscapes. So they're well-versed in old westerns, is what they're trying to say. Um, and manly things like G.I. Joe's, though their evolving passions temporarily took them in different directions. Ian went to college on a wrestling scholarship, <laughs> along the way discovering new interest for English and literature. And Esham pursued an education in fine art painting, Ugh. but found the illustration of comic books better suited to his tastes. That's a very odd sentence. Yeah. That was a sentence, by the way. The two would always find themselves returning to their love of film. While Ian has produced various projects independently, and Esham has worked as a professional storyboard artist for over a decade, the Nelms brothers always write and direct together and have made multiple award-winning shorts and feature films. Okay, so one of them's a wrestler. I didn't know okay. that. <laughs> I was not aware of that. Uh, Robin Williams was a wrestler. Um, nice and Ooh. short. Yeah. Did, uh, did he have to shave before a meet? Try pinning that manic energy. Good God. Yeah. You, you Have you seen that man sweat? Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody has. <laughs> it just looks like he's wearing a, a onesie. Or like a, no, he's a, he's, he's a fucking eel covered yeah. in hair. <laughs> he's, a, he's a slippery squirrel. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so do you want to talk about Mel Gibson, uh, the star of the movie? Sure. Um so, folks at home, well, this is not the first time I think we've had to express this on the podcast, but we are well aware, both of us, as Kyle had said at the top of the recording, and Mel Gibson's not a good person. No. Like, he, he's, he's kind of a shit heel. He's, he's not a good person. We are well aware of that. Um, I do think it's funny that this is produced by Saban Films, which is owned and operated by Israeli people, as far as I understand. Mm. understand. Um, well, so, here's the one thing, Trevor. I think that yes. Mel Gibson definitely had a low point, and I think that low point was that voicemail, and I think he might have called a, a lady cop uh, something derogatory as well. Um, but he seems to have bounced back from that, uh, which makes me think that maybe that was just uh, he was in a bad spot, and he's since reformed himself, maybe went to some meetings. <laughs> he might be in a better place these days. Uh, but last we heard, he was not a great person. We're definitely aware that he's he's had a little checkered past there. Yeah, but he's he's like one of the more prominent examples, at least in in my corner of like the the Hollywood landscape of you know white privilege. The, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, dude. That, but I'm yeah. talking. He's dropping some hard G's. He's definitely dropping some, some some bad language, and he's still working. Yeah, that's not the case these days for some people. But sorry. I... Yeah, yeah. No, he's been given many like second, third, fourth, fifth chances that yeah. many many other people would not have been afforded. But um, the the ongoing issue of the artist and the art, and mm -hmm. it's one of those things where. Yeah, uh, I understand he's he's a troubled man. I understand he's a problematic man. But um, when he's on screen, mm -hmm. uh, when he is doing some of that acting shit, he's magnetic. Yeah, um, he can carry a fucking scene. He can elevate your material. Like 
The Expendables 3 is not an acting-heavy film, but he has a couple of dialogue scenes where it's like, oh, I'm watching a real movie out of, out of nowhere. Where, where did this come from? It's because it's Mel fucking Gibson, and he's very adept at, at acting. <laughs> I think he does, I mean, for what this character is, I think he does a good job in this movie overall. I think he has a moment where he's speaking. I'm like, damn, like... I feel this. I feel him in this moment when he's spot- talking to the elves. Like, listen, they're going to be taking over as your bosses right now, so you got to listen to them. I'm like, damn. Like, I actually I felt that. Uh, but yes. But yeah, I'm like, that's <laughs> it, it. Doesn't need to do that in this movie. It doesn't have to do that because this is Fat Man <laughs> from 2020. Um, but I was going to say, but if he's not super interested in doing this movie as an actor he can put that into his performance because he's just kind of a kind of just hit his wall as Santa. Like he's just like, maybe I've just, I need to give up. Like, this is it. Like I, I'm just, I'm beaten down by life. And you can, that's kind of my theory with, um, Marlon Brando as Colonel Kurtz in uh, apocalypse. Now it's like, he was paid a million dollars just to do the movie, just to read the script, I think. And then he showed up fat and then he just wasn't super enthusiastic about doing it. But I'm like, I think it kind of went into the character a little bit, and I think it makes that character a little more eerie, in my opinion. I think it just, he has some interesting moments. Uh, I love that movie. I get that you might not like his performance in there. No, 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 no. Actually, I I think that that's an interesting thing to bring up. Um, Like, I'm still trying to work out how it relates to Mel Gibson. I I get what you're saying. In this. It it does actually tie into the performance. Because the, the general air of apathy that Mel Gibson carries is actually very appropriate Mm -hmm. like it could be misconstrued as him phoning it in i don't think he did at all Mm -hmm. as evidenced by the scene that you mentioned like when he's talking to the elves and he very nearly breaks out crying yes um like he's actually showing up here but you're absolutely right that if he seems out of it if he seems checked out if he seems apathetic that's what's in the script like that's what the character is supposed to be this is supposed to be you know the the cowboy's last ride kind of scenario mm-hmm. um but uh <laughs> in regards uh to kurtz um that that's a an amazing example of filmmaking um because it, if you've ever seen uh, hearts of darkness the make the documentary about uh the making of apocalypse now we kyle and i reviewed it for the okay time. i thought you're talking not, to me i'm, I'm like, not i'm not talking bro. to you kyle <laughs> I wasn't talking to you if you had, if you had cut me off with a bruh in that moment that you were almost bruh you were almost bruh <laughs> bruh, bruh dude. <laughs> no i wasn't talking to you kyle i was talking to anybody listening um if you haven't seen that documentary you definitely should um but it's a there's a really amazing sequence. There's many amazing sequences, but one of them is where they show how they filmed that that couple of minutes of dialogue, and it was a goddamn nightmare. Mm-hmm. It, they 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 had miles of footage that they had that was completely unusable, and they had to light him in a very specific way because he was grossly overweight for a character who, in the script, was supposed to be Real living thing. in a stinking yeah. jungle. <laughs> And rail thin as a result of living in a stinking jungle for an you, extended period of time. You can't keep enough water in your body in Cambodia <laughs> to not sweat it all out. Like it can't, it can't yeah. be done. Yeah, it's a little bit muggy. Just, yeah. <laughs> it's just a little bit. But the the tricky part with Brando at that point in his life was that he was 
he was fucking with people left and right. Yeah. I don't I don't know that that was at all intentional on his part. Um, I mean, Superman, he famously wanted to be, uh, I think, a floating suitcase yes. or a floating yes, donut. Yes, yes, yes. What else can you do um, at that point? Like, you've done everything. It's, it's, I've never I've never been a floating donut before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dick Donna, can I be a floating donut? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Mel Gibson is, like we've already said it, but he is quite good in this role. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very... It's not a like a deeply written role, um, but it's a well performed one, mm-hmm. and I did appreciate those instances where he has like minor breakdowns here and there, um, because it's it's kind of that traditional portrayal of like masculine vulnerability, mm-hmm. where it's like you can see him trying to hold it get together just long enough to get out of the room where he can actually bear his soul just a little bit, but you know his his ability his command over his emotions and his his facial features in particular is such that he can exhibit that non-verbally very very capably dude i would i don't know what i would do to get his beard and ha- beard and hair combo in this movie my god the man is a- he's aging he's like george clooney aged gracefully brad pitt aged gracefully the way mel gibson's aging is just he's just so grizzled and gruff looking like this is a fucking beard, and he. Just, I think he looks great at this age. I think he looks pretty, pretty cool. He does look pretty cool. Um, he has the he has the skunk hair, uh, mm-hmm. the the skunk pattern in his beard, um, and very similar to uh, <laughs> terrible example. But I, I've said this about Dolph Lundgren in the past. Mm. Oh, um, Dolph Lundgren's age has actually assisted his acting ability considerably. Mm. Same with Van Damme, for that matter. The, the additional lines in their face and that like the world weary tone in their voice actually lends them some credibility that they didn't have when they were a little bit younger well 80s Dolph you don't want to see him talk you're just like pop that shirt off dude and just stand there you don't need to do anything else I don't need to hear you talk I I mean the dude was he man he wasn't cast for his you know grasp of the English language at that point in his life he was cast because he would look great in a loincloth or a speedo yeah, when he pops his shirt off in whatever Rocky movie that is, you're like, God damn, like that dude, that dude's a smoke show. Uh, a, just they got blades under their arms, both of them. <laughs> I think they're called cum gutters. Uh, <laughs> That's um, the first I've ever heard that. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say the last, uh, the last Mel Gibson movie that I watched, which is, it's got, it's got some writing issues uh, with some of the subject matter, but I think overall it's a good film. Uh, dragged across concrete very long film but i think that's a good mel Mel gibson performance as well but um yeah he in this movie um his wife i i like the relationship with the wife as well uh marianne jean baptiste playing ruth uh ruth's chris by the way i couldn't stop thinking about this because his name is chris her name is ruth ruth's chris Mm -hmm. um they do like there is like this they have a chemist. They have a really good chemistry. Like I feel like this is an older married couple, uh, and it starts like from from frame one when you see them together. Um, I'm not. Sh- I've, I she is in a bunch of movies that I've seen, but I can't honestly identify her in any of those roles. Um, but what do you think about their their chemistry as characters? It's funny. I actually thought the same thing. That's like I know this woman, I, but I have no idea where from. But it doesn't really matter because she's very, very good in this. And mm-hmm. yeah, they they do have lovely chemistry. Like they do 
feel like a, a very genuine older couple that they yes. they lean on each other in very cozy and relatable ways mm-hmm. uh, it, it was it was kind of neat to see those moments where it's just like again very similar to what i said about the sam elliott movie it's like wasn't expecting this in fucking fat man but i'll, I'll take it has he ever not had chemistry with somebody because i feel like in every movie was renee russo in ransom was she the wife in ransom as well i believe so yeah yeah so and she was also his wife in uh well yeah, Lethal Weapon 3, True. love interest, yeah, 3 and 4. Uh, they, they became husband and wife. They didn't get married until that fourth one, that's right, because yeah. that, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. She's preggers, and he's just like, ah, maybe. <laughs> um, even with Julia Roberts. He had to get another concussion from Jet Li before he could, you know, figure out his life. <laughs> I think the weirdest is is conspiracy theory with Julia Roberts, because he's not, he's kind of a creeper in that. Like, he's not the love interest, and I don't think it, he doesn't work very well with that kind of role in my opinion i like that movie but i I don't think it really works there um we'll talk about walton goggins in this ah um so folks i sent kyle a a picture uh, from the internet of sting okay (laughs) yeah you got it right of sting uh (laughs) current day aew talent member uh sting uh, I sent Kyle a picture of Sting with his face paint smeared off and his hair all blown out to the mm. point that he looks like that that meme photo of Nicolas Cage um, and like his rapidly retreating hairline. Yes, yes. Um, Walton Goggins looks like Sting in this, just without the face paint and the soul patch. Um, and of course, he's brought them choppers. Uh, his teeth are perpetually three sizes too big for his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he looks like a goddamn cartoon character. But yeah. that's why we love him, um, yeah. and he's a very, very talented actor, and uh, he's good in this. But I felt like they, either he or the directors, gave him the wrong notes. Um, they, I felt like he should have gone big. He went the opposite route. He went small. He is chill. I think he is chilling as kind of a like. He's chilling as a like. He's very serious. Like he's not joking in this, and I think it, it that could work. But not here because he needs to be the balance. Because we've got Mel Gibson who's like gruff and oh god, things aren't going so well. There's no joy. There's no energy coming out of him. There's no energy coming out of anybody. And I'm like, you have him right there, Walton Goggins. You, you, he's in the movie. You just have to give him something more to do. And they give him multiple opportunities with all the violence in here. Um, and it just is a real missed opportunity. Just have him be a little over the top. I think it would have been much better. Yeah, it, it's odd because what he gives us is not bad by no. any means. Um, it it kind of works. Only problem is he's asked to be kind of like darkly and like pitch black funny from time mm-hmm. to time, and it's very seldom actually funny. It's like I get I was supposed to laugh, but I didn't, and that's a problem if you're going to be if that's going to be a recurring pattern in your in your narrative. But um, just based on his his narr- his background like his narrative background in the film I- i'm kind of surprised that they didn't go big because his whole thing is that he was slighted by santa or he felt betrayed or let down by santa in his youth and it's implied that that's part of what pushed him down the road that he goes down in this where he becomes a really bad human being and, and a hitman on top of that um and i was expecting him to kind of revert to like his childlike 
like his child persona just a little bit because if you think about what he's doing is he's mm-hmm. lashing out at someone who wronged him decades ago when like when he was a child so i i was half expecting him to go full walton goggins and kind of degenerate into like a a brat or something or or get loud get like throw a tantrum or something Uh, but he never really gets there he's just kind of a steely cold assassin throughout the entire movie and it's as a result it does feel like there's a a lack of energy in the film because like kyle had said we're kind of jumping back and forth well it starts out with three parties and it kind of narrows down to two around the halfway point but there's the kid there's santa and then there's walton goggins the assassin and among these three one of them needs to pick up the pace like one of them needs to like inject some energy into the proceedings and i was hoping it would be walton goggins but unfortunately they're all pretty flat only difference is like on an emotional level you can't help but get invested in mel gibson and whenever the kid's on screen it's like i'm always wondering where they're going with things but then the movie kind of forgets about him around the halfway point and it's like oh well now i'm just stuck with the hitman and the santa and neither of them is particularly thrilling hopefully when they meet up it'll be really really exciting it's okay (laughs) two things one he reminds me of jack nicholson's joker a little bit the way he kills like it's very like he kills at whim but when it's practical like when it when when it's called for basically like bob gun like he waits for him to give the gun then shoots him like it's just he had a gun on him by the way (laughs) when he asked for bob's gun um, but uh, the second thing was like I do like the I like what they did having Goggins searching for Santa. It's fun, like him, like like tracing his stat, like trying to figure out where he is exactly. Just have him be. I think maybe that is where the issue comes from. Is that because he's kind of he's dealing with postal workers? He gets the idea. He's like, okay, I'm gonna find find Santa. I'm gonna go up to this postal worker get information from him he's just kind of working his way up so maybe because of who he has to interact with and he doesn't want to set off set off anything like like bring attention to himself more than he already is maybe he kind of has to be subdued along the way you know what i mean like but they wrote but that's they should have gone a different route so that he could have been a little more off the wall or just let him be off the wall fuck it it's a movie yeah like i said what what we got isn't terrible by any means like i don't think his performance is bad it's just it's not what i was expecting and not what i think i needed to make the movie really work for me a little bit better but he does have some standout moments for sure like i did like when he goes to see like the district manager or whatever of the post office when Mm -hmm. he's holding him up at gunpoint the like the guy's head is plastered against his desk with a gun being held up to his temple Walton Goggins is just like very, like whispering while standing above him, like telling him what to do, and he's like, "Pick up that pad of paper." And he's like, and the, you can see the guy's hand yeah. fumbling around the back because he can't look because his yeah. head is pinned to the desk. He's like, "To your right, no, the other way." Like, yeah. <laughs> write it down quickly, but make sure it's legible. Yeah. <laughs> it's like not, it's stuff like that that actually kind of worked. Not on that page. A new page. Yeah. Just, yeah, a new page. It's <laughs> like page. I had a recipe written on that one. <laughs> well, yeah. So he has a whole collection of toys made by Santa's workshop. That's the other thing. Is like all these toys. Are, I guess he's collecting them. Like I guess Santa's workshop isn't putting out toys like they used to. So he's collected all these toys. He smokes cigarettes and he has a pet hamster 
which is adorable. Him giving him giving this little little hamster a kiss is just so funny. I hope he added that because he like picks him up and just gives him a little. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he brought the hamster to set and just he kept might. it in the movie. Because really, like it, it, it just feels like one of those things that's like a, an extra character ornament that maybe he was dissatisfied with the material, or maybe he felt his character needed an additional layer that just wasn't there. Because the hamster is a nice little addition, and I also love that when you get to the end of the film, you see that the hamster is like being taken care of. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> it's like they didn't forget about the hamster. No. Um, this little kid, I didn't, I didn't catch his name. I didn't write down his name. I just know he's Billy in the movie. I don't know if he's been in anything else. Um, could have used a little bit more of him in the middle, like just doing other things that you hate him even more because this, I mean, this little kid actor is pretty good. Like he's a little shit. Like you really want him to, uh, get hit by a car as you're watching him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He kind of sucks. And, uh, yeah, I, I actually thought he was a decent child performer as far as I know. He doesn't really have an IMDb or anything, um, but he was fine. Like he didn't bother me at all. I, I did like that. Uh, he's very easy to wrap your head around. Like he's a pretty simple character. Yeah. It's just that his his uh, his place in the narrative feels a little bit flimsy. Mm-hmm. Like he does really get pushed aside, like like completely to the point that he's a non-entity for a good half of the movie. But, you know, we, we get to see small bits of character here and there that he he, he handles pretty well. Like, like he's uh, slyly just, like, stealing shit from behind his grandma's back. Uh, he's talking to, like, the servants in their mansion on behalf of his grandma. So he's, like, falsely using her as a mouthpiece. And he's very clearly, you know, duplicitous. He's putting forth, like, his best face whenever she's in the room. And whenever he's got private moments, he's a complete and total piece of shit. Dude, I think that he's beating these people because this, this one of these uh, people that works there, he's just like, hey, and she just like looks down, like like down at the floor. I'm like, God damn, dude, you don't have to be that subservient. Like, just you can look him in the eye. Like, geez, um, yeah, he's pissed off. Uh, he lives with grandma. It's a bad Santa situation. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, dad's always gone. At, well, in Santa, the dad's in prison. Um, <laughs> Dad's gone, and uh, Grandma's just, you know, supposed to be watching him. She's not doing a great job. He's stealing checks from her. Uh, I do want to talk about this because this kind of highlights Walton Goggins' character and this little kid as well. But Walton Goggins is on the job. He's a hitman. He is standing over the bed of somebody he's about to shoot. (laughs) I do love this scene. And he gets a phone call, and he's just like, he's making sure that they don't wake up, and he takes the call, and then he kills the people, and uh, he gets this uh, job from this little kid, and he's like, "We're gonna. I need you to pick up." He kidnaps a twelve-year-old girl, takes the twelve-year-old girl to this kid's house. He threatens to electrocute her. <laughs> Gary Busey comes up. He knows more about torture than you and I could even dream of. <laughs> Kyle's referencing Al Leong in yes. uh, Lethal Weapon One. Yes, <laughs> another uh, Mel Gibson film. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, it's pertinent. Um, yeah, and he just. <laughs> He just straight up kidnaps this little girl and like he takes her like afterwards she's like, Hey, basically she won this competition. He wants her to say she cheated and then Walton Goggins is taking her back home and he has this whole conversation with her. He's like, Hey, if you tell your parents I'll kill them. He's like, You got a dog? She's like, Yeah. He's like, I'll kill the dog too. And it's like there was an opportunity here for 
a, a better interaction with this little girl is it just seems very i'm just very straightforward like yeah you're kind of waiting for the punchline yeah and it never really comes and it happens more than once like like same deal with the the lady at the pet store mm-hmm. where, where he tells her to go fuck herself and it's like so we had an entire scene of him just telling an old lady at a pet store to go fuck herself like yeah what was the point of that? That was a lot of screen time. And the movie is filled with examples of that that, that point to, you know, there's a reason these these brothers, these, uh, are they, Nelmses, uh, there's a reason they don't have super deep filmographies on IMDb is because of stuff like this that speaks to maybe anemic direction. Um, because even, even things that are pretty simple to get right, um, the montage of him driving... Mm-hmm. like i could have seen that being oh. like uproarious or absolutely fantastic but it instead it's like the timing's a little bit off and it just like it's i get what they're going for but it, none of it actually made me chuckle see i completely disagree i think that that's the my favorite part of the one of my favorite parts of the movie is that driving montage uh i do a lot of driving because my wife lives three hours away so i've this drive for me i'm like i this is me this is me every fucking week nearly him going through like listen to one type of music i'll go from like childish gambino and i'll end on lorna shore if you want to know <laughs> what that is go for it like listen to like how different those two styles of music are and that's what happens to him too he's like listen to this and he goes to metal then i'll go over to a podcast and he stops to get some shitty food i do like him eating the food like i got a kick out of it i'm like I, I like the pacing of it too, but I, I can understand where you're coming from as well. But I, I did enjoy that. Well, I mean that's fine, man. Like, I'm glad you enjoyed it. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, oh. But yeah, stuff like that. It, for me personally, I was like, there's I something gotcha. a little amiss with the timing or something. It just didn't quite just, work with me. Yeah, just a few more jokes. Like, he, there could have been. I, it's kind of an opportunity there when he's hitting the bag. Like, he's just rocking the bag, and his wife drops off a little envelope, and you could have just done something like, was somebody just there? Like, he kind of does, like, a turn. Like, somebody was here. Oh, okay. Like, there could have been something there. Just simple. Yeah, and, and I don't know if this is taking things in a direction that you are not you don't want to go down just yet, but I was, I was curious, like, from a thematic standpoint, like, if there are, if there's if there is an actual point to the structure of the movie um Mm. because what i'm getting at here is um quite a lot of this movie is walton goggins getting to to santa yeah is fine is first of all finding where he thinks santa is going to be and then second of all actually getting there yeah and it seems like a very deliberate choice to have the logistics of the journey be so laborious and and frankly tedious like boring like to devote so much screen time to just a man driving a shitty car and stopping at pet stores and drinking Coke in the middle of the night and peeing on snow mounds mm-hmm. before he gets to the guy. That feels like there's like a very intentional theme behind it. Like there's an idea behind why why the process has to be that way. Because in a like in a any other movie, you could easily write that off with oh he hops a plane, he gets a mm-hmm. chartered flight. And then he's there. He's there. That's it. But to, to have the journey take so long and be so boring seems like very intentional. I'm curious if you have an interpretation. No, I mean, it it plays into, like, actually seeing the journey. Like, 
knowing that Santa is actually reachable. Like that's one part of it. And then at the end when they have a showdown, he's like, you think you're the first person to show up? Do you think there's a, the only reason why I'm Santa is because I'm jolly? Um, I mean, that line kind of lends to it. Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why so much time is dedicated to that. I mean, more character development, I suppose. Um, which is fine with Walton Goggins. You can have more character development. But I think we've got a pretty good idea of who he is by the time that that drive happens. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe there's a... I'm not sure what the theme was there, what, why they chose to spend so much time with that. Well, I'll keep bullshitting, and maybe we can get something out of that. Uh, so, It's so, a podcast. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of talk of naughty and nice in this movie. Yes. You know, it's a common thing for Santa-themed yeah. stories and whatnot. But um, Santa demonstrates he has a superpower where he basically knows anyone who's ever been a child. Like mm-hmm. he knows, he knows if they're naughty or nice, and now that's, he know he knows and, them like frontwards and backwards. I mean that I think in pop culture that's just kind of what we've done with Santa. Definitely the Tim Allen yeah. Santa Claus, like that's that's canon at this point. Like that's we've got that. Yeah, that that's pretty well known at this yeah. point. Um, they even have a joke in here about checking the list twice. It's a it's a cute little note where it's like his wife offers like do you don't don't you want to check the list twice and remember this is an an apathetic burnt out Santa Claus who has very little faith in humanity anymore so he's like no I'm just gonna take it and go I I thought that was kind of neat mm-hmm. um, it's just like one line of dialogue but it's a demonstration of character and where he's at um, but what I'm thinking about the naughty and nice stuff is that there's multiple instances where Mel Gibson encounters people who are on the naughty list or were previously on the naughty list and he demonstrates that he knows every soul on this planet like like he knows the things you've done he knows who you are um so i'm thinking like maybe the long journey is like the only thing that really stands out to me is maybe it's supposed to like be pointing be pointing at like the not necessarily the futility of it, but just the fact that he has so many opportunities to throw his hands up and say, fuck this, I'm done. And yet he continues to do it. So it's like demonstrating like he, he had opportunities to go down different roads. He had opportunities to no longer be on the naughty list, but this is a person who's fully committed to just being a killer and a bad person. Um, to the point that like he spends decades of his life holding rage and malice towards this santa figure over you know not not bailing him out in his childhood and he it brings him to that person's doorstep to try to kill them well i think uh, also that conversation at the end he's just like i can't i couldn't replace your parents like there was some kind of trauma and then he ended up basically associating it with santa uh but yeah there is also that moment when uh ruth like sets those the files down and it's basically pictures of like thank you like thank you santa for this and you see the kid he got like the um the play school set of like a kitchen and he's now like a a chef and he's like it's like his dream job so it's just like one of those moments where it's like man there is like there is some good that comes of this but yeah walton goggins is the complete opposite of that he's just like whatever happened to him this is what he became um and yeah, and even when Mel Gibson, when they have their showdown, he's like telling them to stop. He's just like, you you don't have to do this, basically. So yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's a little fuzzy. Like there's ideas at work. I'm not precisely certain what they might be, but mm-hmm. you know the the finale of the movie does point towards a more proactive Santa Claus. So 
-hmm. perhaps he did Walton Goggins' character like sh shocker spoiler he doesn't make it to the final reel no. um <laughs> but but um it's like a it's like their their paths crossing again is like a, a opportunity to grow and change potentially for the better but only one person comes out of it mm. and it just so happens that santa is actually on the he's on his way up at that point like he's in good spirits when earlier in the film he was not um, but he comes out of his confrontation with Walton Goggins, like wanting to be more proactive and they don't ever put a hat on it, but you could also interpret that as like, you know, my inaction really fucked that dude up to the point that he tried to kill me decades yeah. down the road. Maybe I should be, be more present in the lives of, of the people mm -hmm. in and order to prevent things like that from happening. Yeah, and he ends up going to Billy, and he's just like, I'm going to be more proactive moving forward because I'm getting shot at by <laughs> by kids, basically, uh, by people I didn't give pre the right presence to, um, which I do kind of like. I mean, that that's kind of what I thought the, the Bill Goldberg Santa Slay, I thought that's what he was going to be, like uh, going out there punishing people. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like... I kind of like that idea for a Santa. Hell, I'd watch a fat man too if that's what he's if if, if that's what Mel Gibson's out there doing is out there uh, disciplining children because uh, I'm kind of curious as to what that would look like. Yeah, that would be a very interesting world to set a story in where Santa is very real, and if you get too close to the naughty list, he's going to show up at your house. <laughs> sounds like Grimm's fairy tales. It sounds like we're going to. It, it does. It, that does sound very, very Germanic. Yes. <laughs> um, one thing that uh, you mentioned uh, early in our conversation that I think is worth getting into is the the government subsidy aspect yeah. of this film uh the fact that santa claus is a part of the economy the fact that santa claus apparently pays taxes mm -hmm. um and collects a paycheck from the treasury department annually um yeah. this was interesting to say the least um and they really devote a lot of screen time to it to the point that clearly this was important to the writers but i'm not entirely sure why like what did you think of that, Kyle? So, uh, there is something here. So, the subsidies, I mean, you could you could parallel with farming in America. Like, uh, we outsource a lot of labor, but farming is still something. At least uh, feed corn farmers are subsidized by the government. Um, produce farmers are not subsidized by the government, from my understanding. That could have changed by now, but at least last time I learned about it. Um and th I mean, that's the other thing It's just like he he goes down this list of like clients or something and he's just like, hey, we're, like, would you like us to do some work for you this year, basically? And he's just like, everybody's outsourced their labor. So it's hard for his team to get work outside of Christmas and make money. But there's been so many naughty kids that they're not making enough money. I, it's it's such an interesting idea. Like, I really I like I like that idea of going with that. Um, but it's kind of shallow, like it just, it's just kind of mentioned. So it's like, you just have to know that they're not making enough money and the military wants to use their labor. Basically, they want to shift what shift the labor, basically and not make toys anymore. That's what was so puzzling is because there's so much screen time put into it and it is compelling. It is yeah. interesting, but they do a really poor job of trying to make anything of it such that like, I, I found myself like latching onto that is something i wanted to know more about but the movie really 
doesn't give you anything. It's very, very frustrating because it really, that's a, that's a damn interesting idea. Yeah. You could make a whole movie off of that. Just, you know, the, the financial struggles of one Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then some more with these military people, like there's some missed opportunities again, like this, this, uh, captain sitting down with the elves talking about their diet. I, I love the diet of people that work at the North Pole. Like, the whole time, Mel Gibson... I figured out he was Santa when he was going to town with his milk and cookies. I'm like, oh, he's Santa. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he's only eating milk and cookies. And then I do like his drink that he orders, the Johnny Carson, which is a shot yeah, of... what is it? Okay. So, uh, basically, the rat... the Is it the brat, the brat? No, the rat pack. The rat pack. Uh, we're all crippling alcoholics, uh, and Johnny Carson yes. was associated with them. And I think the joke is Johnny Carson was also likely a huge alcoholic. Uh, so you have Alka Seltzer, which is supposed to help with heartburn the next day. It was a remedy also in the seven, like like sixties and seventies. Uh, you take that with a shot of Jack Daniels, which I thought was a pretty funny joke. But this moment where this captain is talking to this elf and that all the food like you see all these cookies and cakes and like i'm getting sick just thinking about eating this much sugar I'm like, uh, uh, it's too much and he pulls the most disgusting thing is this elf pulls out orange soda and he pulls out to sweeten it uh he sprinkles uh he puts sprinkles into it and did you see them putting sugar on like jelly or, or candy it's fucking yeah nuts. he has some sort of like marshmallow cake or something oh. too on his plate it's pretty great <laughs> And this, this captain is talking to him like, you know, we could probably increase productivity if you guys ate a little bit more because you guys look sickly. He's like, bitch, we work like 24 hours a day. We're maximizing our power. But I'm like, make that a little funnier. Like, it's it was funny on its own, but I'm like, just do a little bit more there. Well, it felt like an improvised bit from like Curb Your Enthusiasm or Seinfeld or something. Just not funny. Yeah. So it's it's like one of those things. It's like an observational bit of comedy where you know the the captain from the military points out like like you guys are really small and have like a sickly pallor to to your complexion. Maybe you should eat something other than sugar. And then it's just flatly delivered back and forth between the two of them. There's no emphasis on any syllables to the Dude. point that's like that's nice. I'm glad you told me that. To what end though? I was naive thinking that this was filmed in the U.S. Uh, until I heard, I was like, I gotta look up the filming location. Uh, and I, I kind of forgot to do it, but then this captain says, get your sorry ass. I'm like, oh, we're filming in Canada. And, and so, bam, Canada. It's right there. Yeah, you, you, you get an oot, you get a sorry, you get a sundy, uh, oh. you get all those things. Uh, You're a captain <laughs> in the United States Army. Ah. That's that's a fucking moment in like a glorious bastard where it's like actually I'm quite attuned to accents. Where's your accent from? I don't think you're American, sir. Captain Gore Lammy. Gore Lammy. <laughs> yeah, um, that's one thing I'm curious if you got. Uh, I'm sorry, this whole episode is just me asking. What did you think of this, Kyle? Um, hmm. so the military. Yeah. Why the military? Because that seemed that seemed oddly specific. And I'm I'm not entirely sure cert, certain why precisely I, the military is is contracting Santa Claus. Well, the military is a part of the federal government, and subsidies come from the federal government. Uh, and I think it makes the most sense in this situation uh, to switch product. They feel like we're going to switch manufacturing over to something. What would the government want them to do? 
obviously military stuff. Like these people work around. The, what kind of labor would we want increasing the thing that the United States has expended the most money in? <laughs> what would we want 24 hours a day labor in? Military stuff. And specifically, yeah, stuff for stealth bomb, stealth bombers, uh, stealth airplanes or some shit. Um, I think that's kind of why it just, it just seems like the most practical thing to switch over. If, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, the, the difficult thing that comes with, you know, living in a country with such a expensive and active uh, military is that anytime its presence is found in movies, even ultra low budget films like Fat Man, it's impossible to not start, you know, turning the wheels in your head and trying to figure out, like, what are the politics at work? Like behind behind the that, lens of this film, that's something I cannot put my finger on in this movie. I, I exactly. Feel, I feel yeah. like we're trying to say something, but I don't know what we're getting at. And that that seems to be the ongoing issue with this movie is that yeah. it, it, there's things being said, but I'm I'm not I'm not picking up what they're putting down. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and like I said, it's it's kind of impossible to not politicize, you know, explicit military presence in a film. Like, because, like, really, it could have been anything else. But no, they went with the military. And not only that, like, like I have a working theory as we've been talking that, like, maybe like maybe this is a Republican Santa Claus movie <laughs> because he is a small business owner mm-hmm. and he's in good with the military. They're very happy with him in this. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're very tight. Like, there's never any conflict. You would expect, in fact, like, the, the movie starts to set that thread up early on that there's going to be friction or tension between santa claus and the military people that come to work on his compound or or supervise uh, his elves and stuff but no everybody's happy everybody loves each other in fact they're like looking into adopting some of his 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 work concepts and whatnot it it's very strange i don't quite know what they're trying to say with any of this yeah i'm not sure either i mean dragged across concrete has also got some things it's saying in in the script like some of the characters so well, this isn't a political podcast, but it is worth pointing out. Mel Gibson, as far as I understand, is a right-leaning member of Hollywood, and as such, a lot of the projects, a lot of the pro- like productions that he gets involved with, tend to, you know, be more receptive to that line of thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, it's no surprise that he worked with, you know, when he was in that blacklisted part, like part of his career. It's no surprise that he ended up working on a Sil- Sylvester fucking Stallone movie. In the form of the Expendables three, um, and dragged across concrete. As far as I know, the the writer director also leans that way as well. Um, so I'm I'm curious. I I can't suss out the politics of this movie because it's so fucking hazy. But that's uh, that's kind of my suspicion. But again, I can't be certain. And he may have agreed to the project, and they may have shot more based on exploring that idea a bit more, and it might have just gotten cut out. Like there's maybe stuff yeah. that we're missing. Um, well, remember, movies also have to be sold. Yeah. And this movie, very similar to the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot, needed to be sold. So regardless of what it actually is, it needs to have enough material that you can attract investors and distributors in order to just get the thing financed and made. And this is a very like a very low budget movie for the most part. Not incredibly low budget. Um, I'm sure a lot of that went directly into Mel Gibson's pocket. Yeah. Um, but 
I'm sure, you know, having a man brandishing a weapon on the cover and, and having a trailer that featured a lot of firearms and, you know, action explosions and whatnot was something that if anything was to be cut from the film, it's like cut some of that dialogue shit out so we can ensure that the money goes towards people getting shot because <laughs> otherwise we're nobody's going to want to see the fucking thing. To go back to character development real quick, sorry, there's something I forgot to mention. Walton Goggins gets frustrated, and he's like, got to get back to basics. So he goes and does Brazilian jiu-jitsu and breaks this dude's arm. He's just like, I broke it! I broke it! <laughs> yeah, I, I like how his, his intonation and stuff is pretty flat. Like, he's not, a, he's not, he's not like, filled with rage or intensity. He's just like, I broke it! I broke it! <laughs> he's like, I just, I, that happened. Sorry, yep. <laughs> not he, even sorry. Just like, yep, that just happened. <laughs> and then he gets Peking Duck also. And I like how he's got yes. all of his, he's got this whole like four person table. He's got all of this. He's doing research on Santa basically. He's got all the stuff. And the person's bringing the food and he just lifts the book he's reading. And they just set it down there like this is, they've done this before, which is just kind of funny. Um, yeah, I, I just, sorry, I had to take a to moment to, to mention that because I did think that that sequence was pretty funny. He has good moments. Uh, it, it's just that it doesn't really add up to much of substance. But yeah, yeah things like that were fun. And uh, like giant duck platter filled with shrimp chips. It's like, damn, I want some duck. Shit. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, so there was, back to the uh, back to the military stuff. These two guys do come and say, hey, this is only a two-month gig, but we'd like to get you for a deal for a 15-year subsidization. He's just like, absolutely not. No, I just want to do this quick. I just I'm independent. I'm into <laughs> so yeah, maybe this is a uh, this is pro outsourcing. It's like, well, we don't want we don't want to uh, utilize uh, American labor on menial tasks that we can ship, we, we can outsource to other countries. We want to we want to support small businesses here and and American businesses. We don't want to do manufacturing here. So maybe maybe that was the idea. I don't know. Well, I I, I think my my theory holds ground. Military good, government bad. Yeah. <laughs> Selling Michael Small Bay. Small business owner, good. Def- defend your land. <laughs> be a be a wife guy. Um. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm not sure what else to talk about. Soundtrack here. by the Mondo Boys, by the way. What? <laughs> what now? I'm just looking at the IMDb. The music by Mondo Boys. I don't know who those people are. I don't either, but their name is the Mondo Boys, so I felt like sharing it. Uh, do the, do the gnomes have a, have a photo or are they photoless? I didn't see a photo, no. but one of them is a wrestler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know if I have anything else to say about this movie. Um, I mean, that's fine. Not every episode has to be three hours long, Kyle. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. What'd you think um, of the, the, what'd you think of the finale? The, the one action beat in essentially the entire film. Uh, I, shootouts don't really do much for me, um, except for the, the town was pretty good. Um, yeah, the, the finale was fun when it got, uh, when it got hand to hand. I did like, I forgot, I forgot about the blade that he had, and I wish that they hadn't showed me the blade right before he stabs him in the back with it. I wish that he just would have done it. I'm like, oh, I forgot about the blade. Um... Yeah, but it's just one shot, but it would have it would have made a little bit of difference because it, that would rely on that would rely on the filmmakers having confidence in the viewer to remember something that they saw half an hour earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah the the 
the shootout's kind of fine. I kind of wish that this kid got yelled at by his grandmother, though. Um, I thought that would have been fun. So we do. We did open up with him shooting uh, Mel Gibson shooting cans or shooting at cans, barely hitting them. Um, and he does a better job here in his little shootout. So uh, one thing that the elves say, like we're powered by sugar, uh, uh, Chris is powered by giving. That's what keeps him young. Um, so maybe because he was like not feeling it in the beginning, he's like missing the cans, and maybe now that he's more into the spirit. His aim was a little bit better. Did that? Did I don't know. I I didn't get that from it. That okay. that is mentioned in the script. That that is what keeps him alive. Uh, that's what keeps him young. Is is giving, and the the whole thread, like the whole narrative, is pointing towards the Santa might want to hang it up because there's not enough nice kids anymore. Um, which is depressing as fuck. But you know, it's it's a interesting place to place your story where it's like this is. A world where not enough people are giving him a reason to continue being Santa is, is the issue. Um, oh, and oh, go, oh go I ahead. was gonna say. So this kid, he overhears his grandmother talking in the other room. She's like, "How much money? How much money is missing?" I mean, hitmen are expensive. So, and he's hired this guy a couple of times. So, uh, I don't know how much money he's been spending, but his grandmother is fucking livid. And this kid is straight up going to kill his grandmother with a lethal dose of fentanyl. Uh, <laughs> we don't know what it is until Mel Gibson and Ruth come in. And he's just like, he takes the milk, sniffs it, and just downs it in one gulp, basically. He's just like, fentanyl, that'll do the trick. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this kid is <laughs> diabolical. Oh, yeah. No, this kid is absolutely terrible. Uh, he, he threatens a little girl with with torture and murder and he is fully prepared to to off his grandma in this moment but um yeah a couple of timely references in this movie um fentanyl and then yeah. uh i believe we get a, a name drop of elon elon musk presumably oh um, i didn't catch among, that among uh, santa claus's list of clients the last call before they cut away is probably meant to be a joke because it's hey elon you know like do you need any work done and then cut so i'm guessing it was supposed to be a you know, a cutaway gag or something, but um, yeah, I like I like the the shootout at the end. I was hoping the the main problem with it is that the 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 character arcs didn't quite sync up for me. Mm-hmm. Where it's like if you're going to have your whole movie building up to this converse this confrontation, I need to fully understand what what's going on with both of the characters. And it's not for a lack of understanding; it's just the lack of material, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I thought the actual, like, the cinematography and the blocking of the action was actually, like, legit pretty good. Like, like it's really subdued and really, really lovingly detailed in terms of sound. Uh, the report of the gunshots and stuff is actually, like, admirable. Like, they, they clearly devoted some time and care to that. And then just the, the choreography of it is very, it's very scaled back it's nothing complicated or anything but it has a logic it has a flow to it it's very simple but it, it i was engaged and it's very quiet too which makes really good use of the environment it's like a it has an, a western vibe to it where it takes place in like the frontier with wide open spaces so like every, every gunshot has like an echo to it and it's like just the sound of wilderness and snow and, fo- and like feet crunching on ice and stuff um 
and yeah, they shoot at each other. They both exchange shots, kind of like a, a John Woo movie or something. And at one point, Santa busts out a, a, a piece of lumber. Uh, he just grabs a log and starts bashing Walt Goggins' face in. Kind of like that. And uh, Santa has super strength in this film, uh, as demonstrated by him moving uh, a very large crate. Yes. That a couple of uh, sol- soldiers couldn't move on their own. Um, I like steroids. Yeah. I thought <laughs> I was that, like, ah, yeah, Mel, Mel, you would definitely know a thing or two about that. <laughs> I thought that was going to come back into play because I'm like, oh, okay, they're showing that he's super strong. At least he's getting his strength back, strength, strength back as well. I'm like, oh, maybe he's going to like just pummel, like just end up beating the shit out of him. I'm like, that'd be kind of fun. Um, I just made this connection when you said I didn't realize that Mel Gibson was kind of right leaning. I'm like. Yeah, he doesn't like black people or Jews, and he's a super Catholic. <laughs> all adds up. Yeah, it's, it's, it all checks out. Yeah, I don't know why I was. I don't know why I thought he might be a Democrat. <laughs> he's not checking the right boxes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, that's hilarious. Oh, uh, but yeah, he he like slugs Walton Goggins just exactly one time. Like he tackles him to the ground, and he just socks him in the face and it's actually very satisfying where it's like it is like reminding you that dude this guy is pretty fucking strong like if he wanted to cave this guy's head in and you know break some of those teeth those gigantic fucking teeth he could but he actually is like stop it like he he tries to call it a, a ceasefire in the moment and then and then the the leg blade yeah the uh, spring-loaded knife like knee blade or whatever the fuck comes into play um Ah, and anyway, Mrs. Claus yeah. ends up getting the, the finishing blow on uh, Walton Goggins. Um, and both of the clauses make it to the end of the film uh, intact. A lot, of, I think a couple of elves died. Definitely a lot of soldiers. Pretty sure a lot of the factory got fucked too. But yeah. uh, the, the movie ends with a very uh, hopeful note, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to rebuild and renew. And as, as we talked about earlier... Um, one-eyed Santa Claus, uh, because he does get shot in the eyeball. Uh, one-eyed Santa Claus, who looks he looks pretty fucking awesome, like yeah. that, by the way. Uh, uh, with an eye patch, Mel Gibson looks fucking amazing. <laughs> I'd be down for Fat Man, too. Like, one-eyed Santa out there, like, keeping kids in check. Uh, just hire, like, two comedy writers to just punch up the script and give us some jokes. Like, just make it a little funnier. You can also find another villain who's trying to kill him like you could even just go you could go with that again i'd watch that just find me somebody john cena i feel like john cena could make that fun i mean if like the general reputation of the wwe is any indication he might be right leading too but probably like hush hush (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you or the rock he 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 actually is uh, again, probably very hush hush. He was at the Republican convention uh, years ago. There are reasonable Republicans out there, but at, absolutely, yeah. There, there, there's. Re- I remember when Mitt Romney was a crazy idea. Like, oh, we don't want that crazy Republican. And now I'm like, fuck. <laughs> at this point, crazy like, quote, Let- crazy. <laughs> that guy's out Radical. there. I'm like, oh, you have no idea where we're going next. <laughs> Shit. Jesus, yeah, like uh, I said, not a, not a political podcast. But yeah. We're just having fun here, but um, yeah, actually, a, a different angle. That I I kind of thought this this might go down just because of the simple action movie convention of goons. Like I, generally, when you have an action movie, this isn't an action movie. This has no. violence. It's not an action movie. Um, 
generally in an action movie though you know in order to big up like your your hero character you gotta have some like expendable goons for him to run through to make him look good you know you gotta have some people that uh steven seagal throws into you know any manner of furniture (laughs) but this movie doesn't have any goons so what i was thinking was going to happen was walton goggins was going to be like part of a like a a a meetup group or like a reddit group or, or just like like-minded individuals uh who also have issues with santa because this is a world where santa seems to be generally regarded real, as yeah. a real person you know so it stands to reason because he's more tangible in this universe more people would have issue with him for whatever the fuck reasons or as demonstrated by him calling out walton goggins and saying you think you're the first guy to try this shit mm-hmm. Maybe there's just some people that want to, you know, take a shot at the king, you know, just be like the guy who killed, who bagged Santa Claus or whatever the fuck. Um, that I think would, it's kind of funny because this came out in 2020, was probably shot a year or two prior to that. In 2022, everything I just said probably feels a lot more appropriate uh, given all the history like that's transpired in the past couple of years. Um but that would be an idea for a sequel, just like anti-Santa group or something. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because he's now a proactive Santa and he's like probably S- traumatizing children who grew up to be adults well, uh, with like actual deep-seated issues because of uh, him coming to their doorstep when they were children. If it's, well, how, how it turns and they wouldn't be able to sell this, I don't think, is because like... We can't say Christmas anymore. We can't. We have to say Happy Holidays. We can't say Christmas. The villains would be left-leaning folks who were trying to come after Santa. Yes. Yeah. It would be Antifa versus Santa. Yeah. Everybody wearing bandanas and hoodies and shit and throwing paint cans and shit at him. Oh, oh, oh! I just had an idea. Keeping with Republican Santa Claus mm-hmm. um, or Republican Fat Man, excuse me. Um, so small business owner, Fat Man Santa Claus military good government bad um franchising santa claus starts franchising the santa claus brand so bill goldberg santa slay santa can also be santa claus (laughs) it's like in atlanta georgia but he's just the georgia territory it's like santa's got to spread out he's got to spread the workload a little bit so you have santa's posted around the globe who all actually have claim to the title of santa claus and maybe a little bit of that santa juice but they're not actually the the be-all end-all of santa clauses okay uh what if we had uh santa claus versus chris kringle where we have santa claus is the american interpretation where it's very commercialized he's just like it's like he's working it's like he's got an assistant a publicist and he's always going like back and forth and then like you get that shot of him like okay oh we gotta take care of this take care of this take a picture thing for fucking social yeah. media and chris kringle's like it's Christoph Waltz, and he's just like, "What is? What have you been doing? This isn't what this isn't oh, what Christmas is." Lawsuit, lawsuit, trademark, oh. trademark violation. It's like, bitch, I'm the Santa Claus. Do you it's want like, a courtroom drama? <laughs> you want a Santa Claus? Chris yeah. Courtroom drama? <laughs> Mr. Claus goes to Washington. <laughs> Prancer takes the stand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> take a shit in the judge's lap. Are you growling oh. at me? Uh. Oh yeah, no, yeah, you'd, you'd get like the German Santa Claus. He's, mm-hmm. he's the guy who files the suit, but then like talking about 
the girlfriend's people, the Dutch, it's like Sinterklaas. He shows up as well. He's like, <laughs> bitch, I've been here before you. Sinterklaas. <laughs> Sinterklaas. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think a Dutch, I think a Dutch one would be uh, would be nice. I think it doesn't have to be Chris Kringle, but like the Dutch Santa Claus is like, this isn't what this is not what Christmas is supposed to be. Yeah, uh, and then the Japanese Kentucky Fried Chicken Santa Claus shows up. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Japan has a Santa Claus. It's like a thing. They they have a they have. I can't explain it. Like I don't. Actually <laughs> it won't make sense in American terms. But apparently, apparently, some cultural wires got crossed, and KFC is associated with Christmas in Japan. Fascinating. So the Colonel. Oh, Colonel Christmas. Colonel Claus. Colonel Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, Christmas. That's the thing is, we could probably write a Christmas movie like this, and we could probably we just sell did. it. I think we could <laughs> we sell just it. Wrote five of them. <laughs> we could pitch this to somebody. I seen the shit that pops up on Netflix. It's not Dude, hard. The like Christmas movies in America, like Lifetime, uh, Hallmark. You can go to Netflix, any streaming platform. There are billions. Of just crap Christmas movies out there. Like, it's endless. Endless. Yeah. Yeah, there is a line of dialogue in this where uh, Santa Claus uh, bemoans the fact that he failed to cash in on his brand. Yes. Um, he has this He has this brief rant about how, like, he could have been, they could have been better off financially had they had the foresight to cash in. And he knows how vital he is to the American economy, and that's that's another aspect of this movie that is fascinating, but not explored is is how American centric it is. Mm-hmm. It's like Santa's often thought of as you know for all the world's children, the entire globe, but in this he is explicitly American. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it seems to be implied that he covers the entire globe, but I don't know if that's actually true in this story. I spent one Christmas in Dubai, uh, had a really nice dinner, and got smashed at dinner. It was fun. But uh, I remember they, <laughs> they were so, it was so nice. They had the whole, this whole really nice restaurant that they had. They're all decorated Christmas stuff. And they, were just, they brought like, free like, Christmassy drinks, like some kind of cocoa that had booze in it. Uh, and then a Santa Claus came around and gave out presents, which was super cool, too. I don't know. Just, it's fun. Uh, I'm just curious as to... I would love to see Christmas in other countries. I feel like that's something I'd like to do. I'm like, I want to go see what Christmas is like over in this country, just just to kind of see what happens. But yeah, I yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to uh, to say about this movie. Oh, we ran out of gas like a half hour ago. Yeah, Kyle. that's just fine though. Yeah. So yeah, this was Fat Man. Yeah. Uh, directed by Esham and Ian Nels, the Nelms brothers. One of them's a wrestler. He yes. likes you to know that if you visit his IMDb page. It's really important you know. He's not just some, like, pencil-armed, wimpy writer type. He's also a wrestler. He went. He had a scholarship. Oh. Um, but, yeah, this was Fat Man from 2020, uh, starring Mel Gibson. Uh, the second episode of our satanic Santa's Month. Uh, look forward to more violent Santa-themed films uh, as the month goes on. Uh, but in the meantime, folks, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other uh, non-Santa related catching up on cinema content. Uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Instagram at catchinguponcinema, as well as the Twitter at catchingcinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. 
Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. So fucking Google it. Google it. And uh, that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Yes. Catch it.